Good Tuesday morning. The nation watching a New York courthouse very closely today. Will prosecutors move to indict the former president? It is March 21st. This is today. On the case, a New York grand jury now weighing whether to indict Donald Trump after hearing from a new witness in the hush money case over an adult film star. A decision possible at any time. Police in New York and Washington preparing for potential protests. We'll have the very latest. Face to face. Russia's Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi coming together in Moscow. Inside their high profile summit what it means to the war in Ukraine, and how the U.S. is reacting this morning. CDC warning, health officials sounding the alarm over a potentially deadly fungus spreading at an alarming rate in the U.S. Cases tripling in recent years. What you need to know straight ahead. Breaking overnight, worker walkout. Tens of thousands of employees in the nation's second largest school district beginning a three-day strike this morning. Classes canceled across Los Angeles, putting a major strain on parents. We're there live. Today, exclusive, the Virginia teacher shot by her six-year-old student telling her story for the first time. I just will never forget the look on his face that he gave me while he pointed the gun directly at me. It's changed me, it's changed my life. This morning, inside that classroom, how she put her students' safety above her own, her long road to recovery, and what's next in the case. Today, Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today on a Tuesday morning. Nice to have you along with us. Hoda's on vacation. We got Craig up early this morning. Yeah, we also have an exclusive conversation this morning. You went down to Virginia. Yeah, a fascinating conversation. Our exclusive with Abigail Zwerner. She is speaking out for the first time since she was shot by a first grader, a six-year-old boy in her own classroom. This is a candid and honest conversation about her injuries, her recovery, her haunting memories of that day. And we will have that conversation a little bit later. This morning. Really looking forward to that. First, though, our top story on this Tuesday morning. No charges have been filed yet against Donald Trump as a grand jury continues to investigate that hush money case. But over the weekend, the former president predicted he would be arrested today. While there is no official indication that that will happen, security is being put in place both in New York and Washington, D.C., given the potential for protests. So, Will it happen? If it does, when and what does it all mean for the 2024 presidential race? NBC's Garrett Hake is outside the DA's office here in New York. Get us started. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, the former president set off a firestorm over the weekend when he predicted his own arrest would come today. So far, that hasn't happened, and multiple sources familiar with the grand jury's work tell NBC News it almost certainly won't happen today. Still, the anticipation around a potentially history-making indictment of a former president is growing after grand jurors met with a new witness Monday. On the brink of a possible criminal indictment by a Manhattan grand jury, former President Donald Trump remaining defiant, weighing in overnight on Truth Social. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know 
that we are the only ones who can stop them. In a new video, lashing out at Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, now wrapping up his investigation of Mr. Trump's alleged effort to keep an extramarital affair a secret by paying hush money to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. Grand jurors have heard testimony from former Trump fixer turned fierce Trump critic Michael Cohen, alleging Mr. Trump gave him $130,000 in 2016 to buy Daniels' silence. The former president has denied any wrongdoing. On Monday, a new witness, Cohen's former legal advisor Robert Costello, was asked to testify at the request of Mr. Trump's legal team, blasting Cohen's credibility. If they want to go after Donald Trump and they have solid evidence, so be it. But Michael Cohen is far from solid evidence. Cohen's response? The district attorney has the documentation in order to validate every single statement that I've made. In lower Manhattan, law enforcement officials are bracing for possible charges against Mr. Trump, increasing security around the DA's office. Trump's potential Republican presidential rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, taking a dig at Bragg. That's an example of pursuing a political agenda. While also taking a veiled shot at the former president. I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. House Republicans launching an investigation of Bragg's investigation, though Democrats say Congress has no jurisdiction over a local DA. President Trump announced he was going to run for president again. And suddenly, here they go. Now they're coming after him for some alleged bookkeeping error? You've got to be kidding me. And the Manhattan DA's office is firing back at those House Republicans, releasing a statement overnight that reads in part, we will not be intimidated by attempts to undermine the justice process. Meanwhile, Michael Cohen also mentioned that he was brought back by prosecutors in case he was needed to rebut Costello's testimony yesterday, who was ultimately released without having to do so. Savannah? All right, Garrett, thank you. Let's bring in Laura Jarrett, NBC senior legal correspondent. Laura, good morning. Good morning. All signs are pointing to the former president being indicted by the this grand jury. Why do why do we believe that that is likely to be the case? So, of course, this is not a done deal yet. The grand jury can always decide that it wants to hear other evidence, other witnesses, or it can decide it should not indict at all or perhaps to reduce the charges to a misdemeanor. If, in fact, it goes forward, however, um, it will be a, a sign that they obviously did believe in the defense case. You don't have to prove it by a reasonable doubt, but you do have to have probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed. You better believe the prosecutor's case yeah. if it seeks to indict. Right. Because remember, the prosecutor Prosecution is one that's in the driver's seat here. The defense team is not even in the room. We heard from Robert Costello, you saw in Garrett's piece. He was obviously there to try to say that Michael Cohen, the person who actually made the payment, can't be trusted. The jury shouldn't believe his story. But the defense team, Trump's lawyers, are not in the room for any of this questioning to try to go back and forth with him. Let's talk about the charges here. We don't know exactly how it will be charged, but fair to say this is a legally and politically controversial prosecution if it happens. Yeah, it's a tough case. And partly, you know, you hear a lot about it being politically motivated. That's not a legal argument. The legal argument you can expect to see the president's lawyers make, if in fact he's indicted, is that there was no intent to defraud here. That's what the statute actually requires under New York law. At least we think the falsification of business records in case, it actually requires that intent to defraud. And it's 
it's just not clear, given that Trump is, in fact, the Trump organization, where was the intent to defraud? This was, you know, he will say, in all cases, um, done to protect his family, not about the campaign. And so it's just not at all clear that this is a legal, open and shut case that can be easily made. And of course, other people will point to say, perhaps of all of the things that um, he has been under scrutiny for, is this really the first case um, that is in the best interest to be brought? We shall see what happens. Laura, thank you very much. Meanwhile, breaking overnight, Russia's Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi sitting down in Moscow for the second round of their high-profile talks. Much of the focus on the war in Ukraine amid concern from the United States that China is going to help Russia's invasion. NBC's Janice Mackey-Frayer is following that summit for us from Beijing. Janice, good morning. Craig, good morning. This is a highly scrutinized visit by China's President Xi Jinping, standing side by side with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin. Today, she officially invited Putin to come visit China again later this year. And while the war in Ukraine is a central issue, the two leaders have so far been framing this visit as a trip for peace. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin meeting again this morning, a day after spending hours together reaffirming their country's ties. Old friends and powerful allies, unshaken by Russia's ongoing war in Ukraine. Xi telling Putin in their first meeting that the way out of what he called the Ukrainian conflict is through negotiations, adding that consolidating and developing Chinese-Russian relations is a strategic choice for China, according to an official Chinese summary of the meeting. Putin even mentioning Xi's recent peace proposals as something he would treat with respect. That China's leader would make the trip is symbolic for Putin, coming just days after being cited for war crimes by the International Criminal Court, U.S. officials calling China's maneuvering diplomatic cover. Calling for a ceasefire that does not include the removal of Russian forces from Ukrainian territory would effectively be supporting the ratification of Russian conquest. The China-Russia relationship is best described as pragmatic, Russia has depended on China to get around Western sanctions. This Russian truck driver at China's border says no one else wants to be our friends. What China gains is a strategic partner and a counterweight against the U.S. and the West. Russia actually is fighting indirectly uh, with NATO, which is giving all uh, out support to Ukraine. For Xi, backing Russia may be less about Putin winning the war than ensuring he doesn't lose. The concern with China's ceasefire proposal is that it would leave Russia's territorial gains in place, something Ukraine's government says it won't accept. However, Ukrainian President Zelensky has said he is open to talks with Xi Jinping, and there is a chance they could have their first phone call since the war started before the end of the week. Craig? We shall see. Janice Mackey for your force there in Beijing. Janice, thank you. Now to this morning's start of a massive strike by school employees in Los Angeles seeking a pay increase. It has forced the cancellation of classes in the nation's second largest school district and left hundreds of thousands of families scrambling this morning. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has the very latest. Miguel, good morning. 
Savannah, good morning. The stormy weather here really is reflective of the mood on both sides of the picket line, and the forecast does not look good over the next couple of days. In the next several hours, we expect hundreds of protesters to be here at the LAUSD Unified School District Bus Depot, where buses will not be picking up students today after late-night negotiations between the union and school district fell apart. These are some of the 30,000 L.A. Unified School District workers walking off the job today. Custodians, bus drivers, and teaching aides who are all demanding higher pay. We're the people nobody sees, we're, you know, we're the, but we're the backbone of LAUSD. With negotiations at a standstill, union leaders want a 30% pay increase for all members, whose average annual salary is around $25,000. I can make more money working at a fast food chain than I do here. The teachers' union is supporting the three-day walkout, refusing to cross the picket line, effectively shutting down the nation's second-largest school district, home to more than 420,000 students in some 1,000 schools. I'm not happy with the kids being home, but I do support the strike. I do think people should have a living wage. Working parents in a school district where 75% of students live at or below the poverty line say the strike hurts their families too. This is more stress to children as well and to parents. Superintendent Alberto Carvalho says the district is offering a 23% salary increase, plus a 3% cash bonus and expanded health care benefits. That's a very compelling package. And why? Because it is needed. These are individuals who have historically been underpaid. Carvalho is blaming union leaders for refusing to budge. Negotiations require some degree of flexibility. But union leaders accuse LAUSD of unfair labor practices. The district is also in negotiations with the teachers union, which went on strike in 2019, shutting down schools for six days. Now, another walkout that will ultimately mean less time in the classroom for students. Because so many students here at LAUSD depend on free food programs, later on today there will be free food distribution centers as well as schools that will take in children to look over them for the day. The superintendent told me late last night he hopes this strike quickly comes to an end. Savannah. All right, Miguel, thank you very much. Lots more to get to on this Tuesday morning, including the CDC sounding off on what it's calling an urgent public health threat. A highly drug-resistant fungus that's spreading at an alarming rate from just four states in 2016, as you see in the map there, to more than half of the United States in 2022. While scientists do not believe that the fungus is a threat to people who are otherwise healthy, it can be dangerous and potentially deadly to those who are medically fragile. NBC's senior medical correspondent, Dr. John Torres, is here. So first of all, Dr. John, where did this, this fungus come from and how concerned should we all be? And first and foremost, as far as how concerned, this is not the Last of Us type of apocalypse. This is not going to take over the globe and cause you know, Armageddon throughout the world. But it is something that definitely needs to be looked into because, like you mentioned, it has increased since 2016, many, many fold, and has spread throughout the country. World Health Organization says this is a global threat as well. Problem is, it's resistant to common antifungal drugs, and it seems to be getting more and more resistant. It's difficult to identify to begin with because it's inside the body, and, and the symptoms mimic a lot of other symptoms. And it's 
it's causing these outbreaks in healthcare facilities, particularly long-term care facilities. If somebody's on a ventilator or they have long-term IV lines in them, that's how it can get into the body. Their immune systems aren't that strong. As far as how concerned we should be overall, this is one of those things that seems to be spreading because we think of global warming. The fungus usually doesn't get in our bodies because it can't stand the warm temperatures, but they think fungi in general are adapting to warmer temperatures because of global warming. They're going to be able to get in our bodies more and more often. Well, thank you for clarifying that this isn't a plot point from uh, <laughs> The Last of Us, because I, exactly. I don't think Fair we can point. handle a zombie apocalypse on top of everything else right now. But if you have a loved one in your family who's immunocompromised and in some kind of nursing home facility or long-term care facility, how do you protect them? So first and foremost, stay healthy yourself because your immune system is your biggest battle against us. It does not affect healthy people. In the long-term care facility, part of the problem is some of the things they did for COVID protocols work against the protocols they need for this type of infection. So talk to the care facility about the health protocols and make sure they're ramping up the health protocols they need now. And then wash your own hands, especially if you're going to go visit your loved one, because it can be transmitted that way. So you want to be very, very careful. Good All right. tips. Dr. Torres, thank you very mm-hmm. much. All right. From a talk about fungus to our fun guy, uh, Mr. Roker. <laughs> Standing by, very hanging fruit. See what you did there. Low, low very, fruit. Very, very impressed. Trying to make it proud. Very impressed. Trying to make you it work proud. a mushroom joke in. I like it. Very <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, so we are looking at some severe weather as far as winter weather continuing. We've got 31 million people under wind alerts. 17 million under flood advisories and flood alerts, especially throughout much of California. And winter weather alerts for 3 million people from the plains all the way into the Pacific Northwest. Here's that heavy rain now moving into Southern California. Here's where we're really most worried about. So what's happening? This developing low is being fueled by this atmospheric river that brings ample moisture for heavy rain in Southern California and mountain snow. Some areas between Los Angeles and uh, San Diego could see upwards of 10 inches of rain, rainfall rates up to an inch or an hour or more. So flooding is going to be a big issue there. Also got snow to talk about in the Sierra. They could see another one to four feet. Also looking at four to seven inches up and through the northern plains. And then as that system moves east, we're going to look for the severe risk of severe weather on Thursday from Oklahoma City all the way down to Sonora, Dallas right on the edge there. And on Friday that moves east to Nashville, Memphis, Hattiesburg, and Lake Charles, damaging winds, tornadoes, and hail a possibility. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thanks, buddy. Coming up, our exclusive interview with Abigail Zwerner, the Virginia teacher who was shot by her six-year-old student. She shares her story for the very first time, including what she felt in that terrifying moment. My initial reaction was, your kids need to get out of here. You know, this is not a safe classroom anymore. They need to leave, you need to get them out of there and then you need to go find help for yourself. Um, It was pretty shocking. Nearly three months later now, how Abby says she's doing, what gives her hope despite all she has endured, our conversation just ahead. But first, this is Today on NBC. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, Consoling. Smart thermostat. Set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Whoa, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet. Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed.
Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. We're back, 7.30, Tuesday morning. That's a pretty shot. Central Park on the first full day of spring. How lovely is that? And just a few blocks away, let's swing those cameras. Now that's the shot right there. Just some of the cuties that are out on our plaza this morning. Cuties of all ages. All bundled up, but hopefully spring's going to come along here soon. Love the hat. Chanel Jones joining the party. Uh, We are going to start this half hour with a Today exclusive revealing some new details on a school shooting that stunned this country earlier this year. It really did. Abby Zwerner, a first grade teacher in Newport News, Virginia, was shot in her own classroom by her six-year-old student, a first grader. I had the chance to sit down with Abby and her attorney yesterday as she shared her story for the very first time, opening up about the moment that gun went off and how she's looking to move forward one day at a time. What's it been like to have the world know your story, but you haven't gotten to tell it? It's been overwhelming. One of the things that we talked about, why you wanted to tell your story and what it means to you to get to tell your own story. I think just because It's coming from me. You know, I'm the person who has gone through this experience and has been through the trauma, and it's my story. It's a story that left the world in disbelief. Never put a teacher shot. 25-year-old Abby Zwerner shot by her first-grade student at Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia, on January 6th. Let's talk first about just how are you doing? How is your recovery going? I've been doing okay. I've gone through a lot of obstacles and challenges. Some days are not so good days where I can't get up out of bed. Um, Some days are better than others where I'm able to get out of bed and make it to my appointments. But, you know, from going through what I've gone through, I try to stay positive, you know, try to have a positive outlook on what's happened and where my future is heading. You just had a surgery on your hand. What are the, the physical injuries? The initial gunshot went through my left hand and ruptured the middle bone as well as the index finger and the thumb. Um, the gunshot then went into my chest up here where it actually still remains. So I have a scar up here and I still have, um, some bullet fragments up here. So part of that bullet is still there. Yes. Do you think it will always be there or do they think they'll remove it someday? I think it'll always be there. I asked you a lot about the wounds that we can see, but Mm -hmm. there are wounds that we can't see. Yes. How are you doing? first it really shook me up. They were open wounds that I could see and seeing an open wound on your body and remembering how you got it is pretty traumatizing in itself. Um, I think it's been helpful now that they've scarred over, but it's still a reminder that, hey, this happened to you. This is what your body's been through. So it was January 6th of this Mm -hmm. year. What do you remember about that day? Uh, I remember a lot. The morning, it felt like just a regular school day, but I started hearing things and things started happening that 
made my my fear grow. Um, as the day went on, it grew more. My fear grew more. Um, I remember him pointing the gun at me. I remember the look on his face. I remember the gun going off. I remember feeling something. Um, it was a pretty scary day. In that moment, what's going through your mind? I was terrified. Um, in that moment, my initial reaction was, your kids need to get out of here. You know, this is not a safe classroom anymore. And then you need to go find help for yourself. Um, it was pretty shocking. You know, once once the, the firearm went off and then I felt something, that shock itself that I had been shot. You um, knew you had been shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was pretty shocking itself. But I just wanted to get my babies out of there. What did the kids do, say? They were screaming. I think they, they knew as well that they had to get out of there, but they were extremely frightened and screaming. The police chief said after that you had ensured that the kids got to a safe place. said you your actions were heroic. Do you remember what were the next things that you did? That's still kind of a blur. Um, got them out and I went to get help for myself. I knew, well, I didn't know at the time that my lung had collapsed, but I started not being able to breathe very raspy breaths and my vision started going out. Um, I remember I went to the office and I just passed out. Um, I thought I had died. The ambulance came, you were rushed to the hospital. What did doctors say about the condition you were in and your injuries? It could have been fatal. We believe um, with my hands being up, with it going through my hand first, uh, we believe that by the bullet going through the hand first that it most likely saved my life. Everything about this is so unthinkable. I wonder what you think or how you feel about this student. You know, there's some things that I'll never forget, and I just will never forget the look on his face that he gave me while he pointed the gun directly at me. That's something that I will never forget. It, it's changed me. It's changed my life. How do you even make sense of something like this? You can't. You can't. I, you know, I'm not sure when the shock will ever go away because of just how surreal it was. And, you know, the vivid memories that I have of that day. You know, I think about it daily. Sometimes I have nightmares. Zwerner's attorney, Diane Toscano, filed a notice of intent to sue school administrators, arguing that the Richneck administration failed to take action after it was warned three separate times that the boy had a gun with him the day that Zwerner was shot. Toscano says she plans to file a lawsuit in two weeks. There have been many failures, and there are multiple people responsible for those failures. Do you feel like you could have been better protected by the school? Yes. You feel like they should have done more? Yes. The prosecutor announced there would not be criminal charges against the six-year-old boy. 
Do you have an opinion about that decision? I'm not going to weigh into the prosecutor's decision, uh, but I am following very closely the Newport, Newport News prosecutor to see what they do in this case and who they do charge ultimately if they do charge anybody. When you think about everything that's happened and what happened to you, what does justice mean to you in this case? That's a tough question to answer. Diane, for you? As Abby said, that is very tough to answer. My job is to hold those accountable that I can hold accountable, and I'm going to do that. Abby's going to have to deal with this her entire life, both physically, emotionally. NBC News has reached out to the school district for comment and has not heard back. In the moments after the shootings, Warner's mother and sister rushed to be by her side. What did you think when they said... She was shot by a student. I, I probably had some expletives running in my head. I might have even said them out loud. Like, what the, what? Are you kidding me? And, and I know I lost it at that point. It just, you can't wrap your head around that. All of us being teachers in classrooms at rough schools, rough, you know, rough kids, that's not, you're never afraid like that. I never would have thought. And when you saw Abby... Oh, my gosh. She called me mommy. (laughs) (laughs) You don't call her mommy anymore. (laughs) No, she called me mommy. And I knew like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) this is real. I haven't heard mommy in a long, long time. And it kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Hannah, you've been helping to take care of your twin sister. What has this time been like? I'm just so grateful that I was able to be there for her. We already lived together, which was nice, but we spend every waking moment together. Um, And just being able to take care of her, and it's taking her to appointments, it's making her food, it's cleaning up, opening toothpaste, things like that. It just, I'm really, really grateful that I'm able to help her with that and be there for moral support too. But the support she's received has extended far beyond her family. It's hard to comprehend sometimes how many people out there really are just supportive and caring. That in itself has been hard to comprehend. There have been so many strangers reaching out. We have tons of of handmade cards, handwritten cards with people's stories. And what does it mean to you? Because you've seen a very dark side of humanity. What does this mean to you to see another side? It helps me remember to take each day as they come, that each day is special. What would you want people to know about you now? You have people who have prayed for you and sent you cards, people who are admiring you and loving you. What would you want them to know about Abby? That I'm just so thankful their messages, their cards, their support has not gone unnoticed. And it's been truly inspiring to keep pushing me to move forward in a positive way. What do you tell yourself to get through? What gives you hope? I'm still here. Um, You know, I believe I made it here for a reason. If you could talk to your students, what would you want to say to them? I would first tell them that I love each and every one of them. I'm very grateful that they're all alive Mm -hmm. and they're safe and they're healthy and I just miss them dearly. 
Abby wasn't able to get into details of what led up to the shooting that day or talk too much about the boy and his family because there is pending litigation. An attorney for the boy's family tells NBC News, we welcome the prosecutor's decision not to charge the boy and continue to pray for Ms. Zwerner's complete recovery. They've previously said that the six-year-old has what they call an acute disability and was receiving the treatment he needs now under court-ordered temporary detention at a medical facility. But it's a long road for Abby that she's still on. I mean, she just had another hand surgery last week. And then, of course, there are the wounds that she carries in her heart from such a traumatic incident. Considering all that, uh, that she has been through, her outlook is nothing short of remarkable. No, it, it truly is, and she's got a great support system. Her brother is in the military and mo- yeah. asked to be reassigned to move mm. back and be closer to home. Her mom, her sister, they're all teachers. Um, and, you know, so she has that support, but this is a process that she's yeah. clearly still going through. Does she question why? I mean, does she, do people want to know why? Have they been able to, I mean, it's I think that old. is the question. I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, it's hard to make any sense. And of he didn't like go this. after any classmates or anything like that. It was just her. As far as we know. But again, that this is a case that's still uh, about to be litigated. Her lawyer is going to file a civil suit. There's still the potential of criminal charges. The prosecutor, the local prosecutor said he, he would not be charging the boy. But mm-hmm. there is potential charges against others involved with the case. And that might reveal more of it. But frankly, it's unfathomable. Mm-hmm. There's no explaining what happened well, to when a young she, teacher right. at the hands of a six-year-old When boy. she talked about the look on his face, if this story was isolated and you didn't know this, the circumstance, you would never imagine that she's talking about a child. A child. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly shocking. And I think that's what she continues to carry with her and has to overcome as she goes through the healing. But she's got, we talk more with her family yes. about teaching. She's, oh, good. She loved teaching. Um, so we have more of that coming up in the third night, hour, third hour yes. nine o'clock hour. Right. So. That was a great conversation. Great interview, Savannah. Um, All right. Well, also ahead, an inside look at a high-profile trial getting underway in Utah today. At the center of it, Oscar winner Gwyneth Paltrow accused of seriously injuring a man during an alleged hit-and-run skiing crash. We're going to have the very latest. We'll also hear from the actress. But first, these messages. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Well, we are back. 747 now. Quick check of the weather, Mr. Wilkins. Absolutely. Sir. Let's check it out. We've got a beauty of a day here in the eastern half of the U.S. I mean, gorgeous weather. 79 in Orlando today. Sunshine in Cleveland. 55. Some showers are going to be developing in the mid-plains. Snow developing through the central and northern plains. And that big storm moving onshore into California that will eventually be making its way east. 
And that is your latest weather. Guys. All right, Al, sir. thank you. Just ahead on Pop Start Music Star, Ed Sheeran ready to let his guard down. A first look at the new documentary taking fans inside his private life. Also, why are these kids jumping for joy? <laughs> your uplifting morning boost right after this. Mm-hmm. 